Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, a podcast that takes an in-depth look at the Cleveland Guardians baseball team and farm system. Presented to you by the WaitingForNextYear.com network of podcasts. Here are Gerbs, Mitch, and Ethan. Hello and welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, brought to you by the Evergreen Podcast Network and part of the Waiting for Next Year community. I am your host, Joe Gerbs Gerberry, joined today by Dr. Mitch and Farmer Ethan. Guys, it's opening day, or it will be opening day when all, all of you lovely people that downloaded and listened uh, hear this. We did it. We made it. We made it through the not-so-cold winter. So, uh, you know, that's great. We we did it. We There's baseball tomorrow. Real live, actual Major League Baseball games that count. So, uh, yeah. how did we did it, guys? It's pretty exciting. It was uh, 51 and sunny today in Albany, New York. It's, uh, you know, it's it's April baseball weather out. This is like what you hope for. Right. We hit 51 today in, uh, in Northeast Ohio over here, but it was, the wind was way up. So I was, it did not feel 51. So hopefully not blowing out uh, to right field. Or maybe, who knows? Jose is a pool hitter. Yeah, so, I'll trust you know. Jose in any weather. I want good good conditions for Shane. Right. Anyway, it's in Seattle, so it doesn't matter. Right, and it's in a dome, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. If it it's a retractable roof, at the very least. In Seattle, it has to be a, a some sort of a weather condition thing because of the rain. Ian, any comments on the Seattle weather patterns? Uh, no comments on Seattle, but I would just like to congratulate the two of you on having very mild winters. It's been cold here in Columbus, <laughs> and I've had drafty windows in my apartment. They replaced our patio door in the coldest week of the year. Like half of my wall was missing when it was negative 10 outside, so it was pretty great. I'm still scraping my car off every morning, so it I did, truly feel like this is Christmas Eve. Like it I, did, Tomorrow it did is my Christmas frost. It did frost here last night. I when I woke up this morning to start my car, so my uh, so my girls wouldn't be cold when they got in. It it, it was frosted over. So I I you know I'm there with you. But yeah. So so congratulations to you two for having mild winters. It has been not that, but baseball will help. Yes, <laughs> for sure. And uh, if you're looking for other things to keep you warm, while we're getting into spring. And past these cold days, uh, you can check out breakingtea.com backslash WFNY. That will take you to the Cleveland collection. Uh, tons of great shirts and hoodies there, too, actually. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but they have hoodies. Uh, all their designs on the uh, the the sweatshirts uh, out there. I haven't got a hoodie from them yet. Uh, and it probably won't now, especially because it's going into spring and summer. But... Uh, Nevertheless, check out breakingtea.com backslash WFNY to get your Cleveland gear for this year. Yeah, right. I was going to say, how is a t-shirt going to keep you warm? I had no idea that they were so diverse in their offerings. I know. They have a lot of stuff. I think most of their stuff they can put on a hoodie. So That's cool. Good, yeah. good, good flexibility. Good customer service over there. Oh, yeah. They take care of you over there at breakingtea.com backslash WFNY. So. Uh, other things that need taken care of. We'll do news and notes now, uh, and then we will get into we have, um, because gambling is legal in Ohio now, over-unders uh, that you can that we've, we have made for our own uh, enjoyment um, of this team. 
And again, as always, we will track this throughout the year for you. But we made some over-unders of our own uh, conjuring. So, But uh, first off, there are some big things that we need to go and cover. Are since there, though? There are. There are big things. I don't I think like anything's happened things. since we recorded last at time. L- at least two giant things have happened. One is rumored, and it's not that giant. Are you talking about Tristan McKenzie's injury? That's pretty giant. I was going to say the Trevor Steffen extension is not that giant for the organization, but it is giant for Trevor Steffen and his family. For sure. So. I, I would just say there are three big things because the Tristan McKenzie injury definitely needs talking about. That's what I was doing. I was going to get to the Tristan McKenzie injury. Uh, Terry's major injury. Uh, Dr. Mitch will lean on you for some of the injury talk here, but um it is reported he will be out and ready for he will be ready for game situations in eight weeks, meaning that he will be out for uh, these couple starts. Um, Hunter Gaddis, who was the last man to make the bullpen, will actually now switch to make uh, to take up his rotation spot. He will start uh, game two Friday uh, in Seattle, They're literally taking over the whole spot, not moving anybody up or down or around. And it has been announced that Xavion Curry um, is taking over Gaddis's fireman role in the bullpen. So, uh, again, we, we're lucky to have Dr. Mitch with us. Uh, tell us about this injury here and uh, let us know what's going on with that one. Well, I don't really know because it's really ultimately a level of severity for how long this lasts and how well he responds to, you know, recovery and various strengthening exercises like it, it the the timetable is probably pretty trustworthy just because they know a lot more about the severity of the injury than we do the terry's major muscle it's a back muscle it's kind of like a mini latissimus dorsi above the lat um it is uh pretty an unin- uninteresting conversation i can get further into it ethan you you want to hear more about the latissimus dorsi No, you can go right on ahead, buddy. I find this very interesting. Well, I'm just about out of things to talk about with it. But anyway, the injury is concerning uh, no matter what happens with it. I mean, the minimum um, number of two weeks is pretty scary. Um, Even that is is scary because you're missing, you know, valuable time to, um, you know, to to start this. it, it's just not the way you want to start the season. Um, and also just like Hunter Gaddis in the rotation, we, it would have been nice to, to have Tristan, but the two weeks is not that bad. What we're really worried about is missing that two months. Um, you know, we don't know how Hunter Gaddis is going to be, and we don't know if these prospects in the minors are ready yet. In fact, they're probably not. So we really, you know, let's hope for the two weeks, eight weeks, wouldn't be the end of the world, but it, it does definitely like cut into like the minimal edge that Cleveland has in the AL Central. Yeah, and they have some good pitching depth, like you said. We have to temper our expectations, right? Those, those rookies that we all have high hopes for will, in all likelihood, come up and be rookies. You know, they they will have some growing pains. They will have to learn how to pitch major league pitching. Now, it won't be it won't be what defines their careers if they get knocked around a little bit, but you have to expect that we'll see some of them. And, and this depth was tested last year too. They, they got by using guys like uh, 
using guys like Xavier Curry and Hunter Gaddis. And, and, and I know several people tried to write him off last year when the team threw him to the wolves against uh, the Houston Astros, but you know, he had a really good spring and if he and if he and Curry or maybe even Eli Morgan can piggyback for five innings consistently, then this team can be okay. They'll be able to win games seven to five with the offensive firepower that they have. So yeah. no, you obviously it, hope for the best because Cleveland didn't lose their number two guy last year at any point in time. They lost back end of the rotation members, but better now than September. Right. And we know like this kind of thing has happened. I mean, in 2019 as well, when we saw Corey Kluber get hit with the line drive. Uh, in Tampa Bay, and Zach Plesac came up that year. Aaron Savali came up later that year, and they're still here. So you know that would be ideal if you know. You, so it's not going to be Hunter Gaddis this time, but if you know there will be more injuries, and if someone comes up and claims that spot, you know we don't know who it's going to be. We've had a lot of words spilled on who it might be. Thank you, Ethan. Um, but you know ultimately, it just comes down to what the organization thinks, and there's no real real way to predict you know, what pitcher is going to be next. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah, you guys all hit it on the head. I, I do. Th- it, obviously it sucks to have a pitcher who I, I, I know I, at least I was expecting Tristan to take the leap and, and this may be, you know, not necessarily a blessing in disguise, but he'll be, if he has this time earlier in the year, maybe he's, better and healthy for the stretch run if they're not too far out of it at that point you know but who knows if it does it does allow uh like we said gaddis to get kind of through some things maybe a little bit earlier uh and figure out if he's somebody's going to be sticking around those kinds of things can all be worked out gaddis seems like he could be the pilkington of this year yeah definitely seem definitely is uh a guy that could bungee back up and down or, or he could end up working out. That's what we hope for at least. Yeah. So, or just a long reliever in the bullpen. Right. One yeah. guy who did work out and we get to see him work out uh, for a long time. Andres Jimenez signed a major extension just yesterday. Uh, seven year deal, 106.5 million. Uh, due to him, plus there is an eighth year option, club option only, um, for that last year. It pays him $23 million that could end up being 24 with um, some incentives if he hits those. Uh, this is the largest pre-arbitration deal for a second baseman ever in the majors. Uh, it's the second biggest deal Cleveland has ever signed as an organization, uh, behind, obviously, Jose Ramirez's deal last year. And uh, it may not be done. Uh, there are rumored extensions to be happening still. Um, it was reported yesterday that Trevor Steffen was close. Um, and it seemed like it was it was going to happen. And then nothing happened after that. So we don't really know. But um, the athletic Zach Meisel has reported that uh, the team did talk to Stephen Kwan uh, Ahmed Rosario and Tristan McKenzie about uh, longer term deals, extensions of those like. So look for maybe some of those to get done, possibly be announced tomorrow, possibly be announced next week when they're back in Cleveland. Um, you know, a lot of if you listen to the 
Sylvia's Godcast, they were talking about how a lot of players like using opening day as a breaking point, you know, allows them to think about just playing rather than contracts and money and things like that. So if there isn't anything else the rest of the rest of this year, it's not the end of the world. Um, but this is usually the time where this stuff gets done. Ethan, what do you think about this Andre's extension? Uh, is the obviously it's a good thing we've been talking about it. You know, we were super excited about it on our discord. Uh, but uh, what are your feelings about the extension here? I am over the damn moon. The, this is an incredible thing that's happening here in Cleveland. And, and you know, to, to all of the, we don't want to go to games or invest in the team because they don't invest in the team themselves crowd. Come on back. I, I don't judge. I don't gatekeep. They have a new owner. It's clear that there's a little bit of an influx of cash that they're willing to throw around right now. You have the two largest contracts in club history running side by side with each other right now. That's never happened before in Cleveland history. You have. Sorry, I'm just laughing because they're the two largest contracts in Cleveland history. Of course, there's never been two like them coming together before. Right. But but even before then, right, they always paid one guy and then it was just rookie deals and, and vet minimums and all of that. But, you know, something like this, two contracts over $100 million side by side on one team. Cleveland's never done that before. You have. Two guys who both received MVP votes last year, locked up for roughly the same amount of years now, for less than the cost of Francisco Lindor, who you traded away to acquire said player that we just signed to a seven-year contract extension. For You have two MVP candidates for, for the price of less than one. In, in all fairness, a trade that's probably both sides are happy with not trying to trash the Mets or Francisco Lindor just needed to point out that that is a really cool thing, but uh, it's incredible, man. Like I, I still don't really know what to do with my hands. No work got done yesterday. The news broke while I was in the office. I, I, I'm just very, very excited that this is happening and there's two foundational pieces of the core locked up long-term. Now show me Stephen Kwan. Ian. Oh, wow. I just did it again. Ethan, don't, <laughs> Don't admit that you're not working in a public forum like this. Don't. Hopefully none of your bosses listen to the corner cast, or if they do, Ethan, they're yeah. cool about it. Are they Guardians fans? They are not Guardians fans, but one of them did tell me how to circumvent the firewall so I could watch the playoffs on Sling TV on my office computer last year. Okay. So Sounds like they're cool. Yeah. They're cool. I want to add to something that you said earlier, Gerbs, that, um, like, yes, it if usually the deadline is opening day but if if like you know they're close to something if they're like off by like five hundred thousand dollars something they'll they'll sure. extend it past sure, sure, i'm not sure. gonna just like draw a line in the sand yes I, I i was only mentioning it so that in a you know if we hear about like well whatever happened about the quad extension in a month you know well it's you know, it's all fine it's all good. yes but yes yeah. If there's a wide chasm, I also have a theory about the Ahmed Rosario contract offer, which Go is that it. they just had to say that they're doing it oh, to appease. I, I don't, yeah, Jose Ramirez, right? For is sure. This, is this a is this a tinfoil hat moment? I'm I'm always up for a good conspiracy theory, and a hundred percent, you have to appease your franchise player who signed for less than 
half of Francisco Lindor's deal, you know, and right. took way less money. He made mention, and Zach uh, Meisel mentioned it in his article, uh, he was willing to give 40 million of his deal for Ahmed to sign long-term, you know, so it's, that was last year. But um, yeah, I, I don't know how serious the Ahmed talks actually got. I don't know. I don't know how an ex- what an extension for Ahmed looks like because I don't see how he's on this roster after this year. Yeah. Um, At least not as it stands as how he plays, which is only shortstop. You right. Know, and not particularly great at it. And yeah, no. And as we pointed out on the Discord, um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, some team is going to want him as the shortstop. Right. Yes, uh, and he's the, the best free agent shortstop. That's the free yeah. agent shortstops next year include uh, Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Uh, good, yeah, uh, who just got you know replaced by Volpe in New York. Yankees fans love IKF, I'm sure they do. They love him, trust me. Talk to any Yankees fan, yeah. Last I heard, they were tearing down Jeter billboards for him, <laughs> right. Um, and I believe Brandon Crawford, who is on the wrong side of 30. I think he's on the wrong side of 35. By a, by a couple of years. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It, Ahmed stands to make a boatload of money next year. And I don't know that either side is truly it was interested in a deal, but you kind of have to offer it at least to him, which yeah. is fine. So. Yeah. Yeah, you you can talk, but this is probably Ahmed's one and only chance at like a large career-defining contract. Mm-hmm. And I think even his people, no matter how much he may want to stay here, because he obviously loves Jose Ramirez too. That goes both ways. But you know, yeah. the Angels have to overpay somebody when Otani walks next year. There's no well, yeah. They they don't have a shortstop either, so. Yeah, they don't have a long-term shortstop, not you know, and, and and if teams, if the if Major League Baseball ever does invoke invoke a salary floor, you know, that's you'll start seeing something like that. But since we're talking about Ahmed, why don't we get to our over unders? I am going to go first, and one of mine is about Ahmed Rosario. So uh, how we will do this? I will start off with one. We will. Uh, set what our over-under is, and then we will uh, pitch where we are, what made us think of it, what that number is, and then we'll talk about it and decide whether or not who's taking over, under, or what have you. So, again, for Ahmed, for myself, mine is how many games hitting second, or how many games will we see Ahmed Rosario hitting second? In the in the uh, in the lineup, uh, I went with fifty, and I based this off of the giant deal that Andre uh, Andres Jimenez just signed. Um, he's currently hitting seventh in this lineup, which is almost criminal. Um, Ahmed Rosario is the prototypical uh, contact hitter for this roster. Somebody who they love and like in that uh, in that spot. Um, Mitch has talked about how he and Jose are, uh, are best buds on the team. So having them, you know, back to back in the lineup is, is probably something that 
is a little, you know, contrived in that way. And this is a lot of like lineup talk, which is what you get early on in the year. But um, okay, so yeah, my my bit over over under fifty games at uh, hitting second in the lineup. Ethan, what say you? Are we at forty nine and a half or fifty and a half? I will do. We'll do forty nine and a half. That's fine. Okay. I'm writing it down in my book. I, I'm I'm gonna pull the the. Pat McAfee hammered down on the over on this one. Hammered down. Just because Terry Francona does not give a damn about Ahmed Rosario grounding into the third most double plays in baseball last year. He does not care that Ahmed Rosario is a prolific is prolific at hitting ground balls right at infield defenders with or without the shift. He will bet second because he truly does set the tone for what this offense does, which is run and run hard. He's going to continue to be in front of Jose Ramirez for every game he plays this year. And because he's strictly a shortstop, there's very little flexibility about taking him out of the lineup. So unless you're going to stick Gabriel Arias there to spell him for more than 20 games this year, I have to imagine Ahmed if healthy plays 150 and bats second in almost every single one of those. 100% agree. Yeah, I was going to take the over. You pretty much hit exactly all my talking points, Ethan. Um, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, the end of the day, lineup order is pretty, like, irrelevant. So I think a lot of it is getting into the heads of the players and, like, understanding kind of their self-evaluations and whatnot. Like, you know, like if you drop Ahmed Rosario in the lineup, how does he feel about that? Which like maybe sounds silly or touchy feely or whatever. It's a profession. It's a business. I get that. But like, you know, Terry Francona's job is to put all of his players in the best position to succeed. And if that means Ahmed Rosario is batting second, Ahmed Rosario is batting second. And it, it really won't affect like the amount of runs scored this year by more than like, like I think a lot of the studies showed that like a random lineup is like, maybe 10 runs worse over the course of the season than like the best lineup, maybe 15 runs. It's not a lot. So, you know, make the players happy. Sure. Not to mention the alternative is probably just flip-flopping him and Andres, right? But I also have zero problems having one of the most dangerous seven hitters in baseball hanging out down there. Sure. Yeah, it definitely lengthens the lineup. I just, I, I this is me just being old man yells at a cloud and seeing, you know, your recently extended, you know, sixth place MVP votes hitting seventh in the lineup. You're robbing him of plate appearances. And, you know, that's all, that's just where it is. I take the over two. It's going to, he's going to be there. And uh, I don't really have any kind of issue with it truly, but it's just more so a Andres has, proven he should get more plate appearances but uh you know it's fine it's all good he should he should all right ethan give us an over under uh for the team or roster this was probably the hardest number that i had to set when i was thinking about my my opportunities here in 2022 cleveland had 17 players make their major league debut they had an 18th 
who traveled to the team with Toronto and Peyton Battenfield when James Karinczak wasn't allowed across the border. Ha ha, funny COVID moment. Uh, but Battenfield never touched the field. They could have had 18. There's not a lot of space for guys. There's still some questions, but there's a lot of top-tier talent at the top of the farm. So the question that I pose to the two of you, over or under nine and a half major league debuts for the Cleveland Guardians in 2023? Yeah, so last year there were tons there was there was tons of fat on the major league roster there were tons of players who were you know turned out to be pretty expendable um you know do not in the future plans of this team and that's just not true this year um so the you know there are a few like certainly there will be like people who get let go of over the course of the season probably um but the number's far less so the main way people are going to debut this year in my estimation is through injuries. Um, and I'm hoping that there are fewer than like 10 injuries that happen that require debuts. So I'm going to take the under out of optimism. Um, I have no idea with this historical precedent for like the number of injuries and, and that kind of thing over the course of a season. Um, but I'm going to go with the under because I am a fan of the team, if nothing else. And I would like there to be fewer than 10 injuries that require call-ups. Yeah. Uh, if the number is nine, I'm probably going to say under as well. Just thinking and like looking at a, at the farm system as a broad view, trying to do the math in your head, you know, there's all these starting pitchers and things like that that we keep talking about, but feasibly how many of them are actually going to make the majors this year? There's a group of, five to seven that could at any point come up and start and make it make uh, a difference. But are there really going to be seven different starters position players? There's not going to be that many this year because they already debuted. Most of them debuted last year. Um, yeah. So, you know, and you're even, looking at, you're looking at a, at a Brian Rocchio or a George Valera. So that's the, those are the two big ones, but out of those, maybe a Mike Capriz would be three. But, but, you know, even even if, say, um, I don't know, God, like, God forbid, Andres Jimenez, like, sprains his ankle and, like, has to miss three weeks, like, Tyler Freeman's going to come up. You know, there's a pretty good shot that it's Freeman, right? So, and that right. won't be a debut. So, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to go with the under. I think 17 was this massive outlier number. And, like, you know, hopefully there are, like, seven that are very impactful and look like future big leaders. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say under, um, I probably seven sounds good, but I trying to think of like, just how many would be in a normal roster. You know, how many, how many did he, uh, not that, how many did the Yankees have the, the Rays you can't really combine. You talk about, cause they, they flop their guys. Dodgers do the same thing, but you know, yeah, I'll say I'll say under for nine. Ethan, what's your number? I actually struggled to set this. I originally wanted to do uh, eight and a half, which kind of put it in the sweet spot of that 17 last year. But just trying to think about the reality of everything that could possibly go happen. Cleveland was one of the healthiest teams in baseball last year. They had relatively very few injuries and still found a way to work in 17 players. You know, if you factor in rainouts that lead to double headers and you need a spot starter, you need an extra body in the bullpen. 
you know, uh, maybe a prospect surprises and forces a hand, gets called up like a Rokio. So I, I actually have this right at 10 at double digits. So I set it right below where I thought the possible number could be. Yeah, because Yu Chang and Bobby Bradley started the team here on the team. <laughs> and Yu Chang is in Boston on their opening day roster. Wow. Is he really? Yes. I bet that lasts a long time. World Baseball Classic hero, Yu Chang. Uh-huh. March. One of the, one March, the hearts of many. March Warrior spring training, Yu Chang. <laughs> he always crushes spring training. It always happens. Him and, uh, him and unfortunately, Gabe Arias. I don't really know if you want to draw those comparisons or not. But Nah, let's not go there. All right. Gabe's a little different. All right, let's go, Mitch. Yes. Uh, all right. The Cleveland Guardians are starting the season with not one, not two, but three catchers on the 26-man roster. They are starting with Mike Zunino, newcomer, Cam Gallagher, newcomer, and Mabry's Valoris Valoria, excuse me, newcomer. Um, but the backstop we're all really excited for is not starting the year with the big league team. Um the guy we're all excited for is Bo Naylor. He's who we want to see get the opportunity to get consistent play appearances at the major league level, handle the pitching staff, you know, because he is the capital C catcher of the capital F future right now. Um, so with that said, how many plate appearances will Bo Naylor get this year in Cleveland? I have set the over under at 250. 250. 250. Yes. Wow. Um, All right. So um, I think that's a pretty solid number. But it's a pretty solid number. Um, I'm just trying to just give me a, give me a moment for some hearing of these. So yes. I'm going Bo, to probably. Bo Sorry. I was going to say also a very good World Baseball Classic performer. Yes. Like a homer. Um, the, and, and it was a it was a, a massive one, too. It was pretty nice. So. Um, I am going to say over, I think, uh, based off of last week's pod, where I said that he was going to win the rookie of the year. I don't feel like I, you're going to be able to do that in fewer than 250 plate appearances. So, um, it just backing up that take with another one, uh, I'll say over, I think he comes up a little bit before, um, the beginning of May maybe middle of May, possibly. But at that point, then you're still, as a catcher, you're only doing a couple days. But I think they are going to work him in more. Uh, and I, I do think they will keep with the three catchers. But I do think that uh, he will be used well more than Mabry's Valoria or Cam Gallagher right. going forward. So. I am um, sorry. I said this all off season that I wanted them to carry three catchers so that, you know, they could play Bo Naylor and right. that when not catching and still have a backup catcher. Right. But, yeah. And they, they have said the whole reason that they want to do these, the three catchers is that they do have that ability to bring Gabe Arias and Will Brennan off the bench and use them in pinch hitting roles right. later in the game. You know, when Zanino is, has had, two plate appearances against a, a tough righty, he can, you know, sit and have Will Brennan come in and then still have a backup guy for when right. Cam Gallagher, you know, it, has uh, 
more innings to catch. So yeah, no, it's ironic that carrying two crappy backup catchers makes the offense better, but that's how it is. Right. All right, Ethan, what do you think? Over under 250 for Bo. I first need to commend you for putting such a stump worthy number out there. <laughs> because you can't just look at this one at face value and think like yeah, they'll find 250 plate appearances as currently the fourth catcher on the roster for Bo Naylor. There's more nuance to this one than that, right? Like, is Mike Zunino going to be healthy? He's had some injury concerns. Are you going to hope for 450 plate appearances out of him? How long do they intend to keep Bo Naylor in the minors? What are they asking him to still learn down there that he can't learn better by being on the bench at the major league level? How long are you willing to carry the dead weight that will be Cam Gallagher's bat and average to subpar defense? You know, I'm fine with carrying three catchers, but eventually one of these guys is going to be dead weight. And I don't know enough about Mabry's Valoria, but I assume it'll be Cam Gallagher. He feels like the straw man in all of this. I think that 250 is almost dead on. So I'm actually going to say ever so slightly over. I don't think he quite gets to 300, but I think it's entirely possible he winds up with 250 to 275. Because if he does come up in a situation where somebody's injured, I don't think the club has him ride the pine. What better way to learn other than trial by fire? So if a situation arises where they have to call Bo Naylor up, well, they're going to play Bo Naylor. So I'm going to take the over on this one. Yeah, no, it's tough because, like, I think my big question is how many plate appearances is Bo Naylor going to get when he does come up? Like, is Mike Zunino the starter when Bo Naylor comes up? Is Bo Naylor going to get some, you know, one game a week at DH and get three games a week maybe? You know, how are they going to get him played appearances? Uh, and when do they call him up, like you guys pointed out? Um, yeah, I, I'm going to take the over two. Again, out of only out of optimism. I hate to be so samey uh, with you guys. But, uh, yeah, no, it's just like if he comes up and he hits, he's going to bat because they're not going to be like, hey, good hitter, sit on the bench. You know, they're going to play him. So in saying, taking the over, I am basically betting on Bo Naylor to hit it, which I want to do. Yeah, the bat the bat seems ready. So, um, all right, do we want to do Mitch again? And then we can, that way we'll snake it back. Sure. Cool. Okay. Jose Ramirez, MVP candidate. MVP, presumptive team MVP. Um. You know, he has never um, never gotten to the 30-30 threshold. Will he this year? Is he going to be a 30-homer, 30 30-steal 30 guy? Over, under for both of them. I'm cheating. You have to, yeah. you have to, par- you have to parlay them. Yes, over on both. Um, you know, he, he hit 29 home runs last year with a bum hand. Mm-hmm. And the hand definitely factored into them not sending him as much. Mm-hmm. But you've got a guy with incredible pull side power that's healthy, that's feeling good. There's bigger bags. There's rules that you can only throw over so many times. It, it wouldn't shock me to see Ramirez hit 35 home runs and steal over 40 bases. Just because everything, all of these new rule changes align so much with what is his game. We, we've talked about it all offseason. The, the lack of the shift is going to help just as general batting average, which leads to more on base, which means more opportunities to steal bases. Barring any other hand injuries that really hamper the home run total, I, there was no reason he shouldn't have hit 30 last year but before the injury occurred, and he still got to 29. So 
absolutely yes over on both of those yeah i am good with an over on both as well um this will factor into uh, one of mine coming up later but uh yeah everything ethan said you know they jose is wanting to has always been wanting to focus on the pull side power for him and with the shift that um he is uh wanting to focus on that still and, and keep it that way, which means either more doubles in the gap or more home runs. You know, he's, he's able to just focus on pulling it and not hitting it to the, uh, the short right fielder in second, at second base. So um, yeah. And, and as to Ethan's point too, cl- getting the, uh, the bases closer, getting the, the bigger bases and everything like that. I don't see how this team doesn't, you know, go wild on the base pass. So yeah. I'm good with the 30-30 season over on both of those. I'm going to take the under on stolen bases and the okay. over on uh, homers. Um, I just think, like, you know, we're looking at a guy in getting, you know, getting older. We want, you know, him to have some longevity. He was injured a lot of last season. Um, and I think the team is going to kind of step in and say, like, Jose, we love the way you run the bases, but like, you know, let's, let's like cool the jets a little bit. I think, I, I, I don't know why there's no real reason to think this other than I have a feeling that they might do this to get the most out of their investment, given the relative stinginess of their spending. Um, also, I do think like, the new rules not only encourage stolen bases, but also just taking like these massive secondary leads, like you might, and, and just like, you know, get to third on at pretty much every single that's remotely like not right at an outfielder. That's a rocket. Um, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. I just don't think they're going to have him just steal all that much more just because, you know, it's a little more likely that it'll be, successful if they think they're you know they're worried about their return on investment well not only to your point to to argue the under a little bit more jose doesn't have to create as much offense because you've added josh bell you've extended the lineup a little bit more you have a power hitter on the you know i mean jose is 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 a historically great base runner but why are you running into an out when you have somebody like Josh Bell up behind where you can put the pressure on the pitcher to keep the base pass, you know, full make Josh Bell, you know, hit a good pitch. And, you know, there, there's more lineup protection behind Jose and Bell is as good as anybody at blasting it out. So, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely true. So, all right, Ethan, Give us your second over-under. So we're going to stick with the stolen base conversation that's been going on. And we're going we're gonna to talk about overall team stolen bases. So in 2022, the Cleveland Guardians stole 119 bases as a team. That was good for second in the American League, only behind the Texas Rangers, who stole 128. And it was third in baseball overall, only behind the Texas Rangers and the Miami Marlins, who stole 122. 
with the new rules and everything that's in place and the Guardians patented style of baseball, over under 139 and a half team stolen bases for the Cleveland Guardians. Whew. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. That is a number. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're hitting our strides now on these uh making this this betting number really, really good. Um 139 and a half. I want it to be over, but I think I'm gonna take the under just slightly. Um I could see a I mean, because we're talking about like a 10 to almost 20% increase from last year. So uh, it, that's a that's a lot to add in this year. And I do think that there will be more. And um but yeah, I, I think I think the number was just a, a tad too high. When you think about it, you, like I said, you have some instances where you, your guys are you don't want to be running into outs or anything like that. And the team is really good at running the bases, but um Adding on from last year, my if Miles Straw is right and is getting on base, is he adding that twenty himself? Possibly is you know if, if he's getting on as much as we want him to, uh, getting that OBP up over three fifty, you're adding sixty points to it by that point. I'm going to end up talking myself into the over, but I'm still going to, I'm going to stick with the under 139 and a half. Mitch. Yeah. To your point, Gerbs, um, part of what makes the guardians a good base running team is the fact that they don't run into outs. They're really aggressive while also, you know, not being so like, you know, they're not, they're not overly aggressive to the point of stupidity, but they are aggressive in a very smart way in a very calculated way. Um, so I think there will be an increase in stolen bases across the board, but I am inclined to also take the under like you, um, just because I don't know how big this effect's going to be. I feel like everyone is really, really excited about this, um, you know, lack of shift and the, you know, the new stolen bases rules. And like, you know, I think you'll notice a difference when watching the game, but I, I, I don't know. We'll see how big of a difference it makes. The biggest difference, I mean, this is irrelevant. The biggest difference is definitely going to be the pitch clock in terms of viewing experience, but we'll see how much, you know, of an increase in base runners there are, an increase in base running there is. Um, I'm inclined to take the under. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they uh, I hope they steal 200 bases. That'd be sweet. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm going to take the under. I think those are fair points. I, I'm inclined to take the over on this number simply because I looked at what the Rangers did last year 
128. All right. Cleveland was not far behind that. I looked at the increase of stolen bases so far in spring training with the new rules. All right. There's a nice jump there. And then I tried to think about, okay, well, what's changed on the team? Brennan's your fourth outfielder now who has good speed. He has some good numbers in the minors. They spent a third of the last year really learning to trust Quan, so he didn't really start using his wheels until sometime around the All-Star break. They might be more inclined to use him a little bit more, especially if he's going to be the leadoff hitter this year. I'm banking on a on a healthy, uh, you know, positive regression from Miles Straw to get that on-base percentage back up around 330, 340, 350, which in this format absolutely makes him a threat. I just think that they easily could get to that number if they want to continue to be the Cleveland Guardians that we know them to be. So I, it's it's such a weird thing to throw out there that, yeah, I'm predicting this team to steal 140 bases, but we're in uncharted waters right now. We won't know until we start seeing the on-field product, and you know I won't be able to pace it until we hit some time around June. But I do think they could get it. You definitely, okay. need to, you definitely need to make sure that you do pace it and let us know where we're at with that. Yeah, I want to, I want to hear paces all year, actually. I want to hear pace updates. I hope they steal five paces in the first game. And just throw like, them out of the water. They're, yeah, they're on pace for 800 stolen bases. Literally run Luis Castillo off the mound. He's on pace for 162 home runs. No, that's not how that works. I, I enjoyed that voice. That was yeah. Good. That was a good voice. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. I'm really what full if, of them. What if Jose hits two on opening day? Is he on pace for what would that be? 300 and 324. Yeah, I can't do I can't math. It's a lot of math real fast. I love stats for a guy who can't do math. Right. Yeah. No, I used to joke that I was better at mental math than my math major friends in college. I, I it's always been a strong suit of mine. But I can do brag. I can do like times tables really well um just like but but only literally like single digit time tables yeah i think i have that pretty much memorized nice if you get if you get anything more than that i'm out i'm completely out <laughs> that's all fair. right that's fair it's not exactly a useful skill so let me i'm going to uh i am up next with my two uh i'll do one and then i'll do my my last one yeah my second one um we talked about it last week. Uh, I made a very bold prediction that I'm somewhat backtracking on a little bit with this one. Um, but I did mention the power ceiling of one Stephen Kwan. Um, I said I can see a comfortable ceiling of 15 home runs for Stephen Kwan. Uh, I am going to back that number down a little bit for this one, because I do think that is more of a uh, two or three years from now number. Uh, so over under 12 home runs for Stephen Kwan. Um, I think that he, I, last year he had six. So 12 is doubling his number from last year. Um, he's not much of a power hitter. His ISO is, was a uh, 0.101. Uh, which is, you know, obviously not that, uh, not that strong, much more of the contact. Uh, he's not a slap hitter. He does like pull the ball, hit it, hit it hard, hit it strong. Spray. He's a spray hitter. Spray hitter. There you go. Good, 
good terminologies. Yeah. Uh, but he he does know how to get the head of the bat around the ball and and pull one if he needs to. Um, but I do think his bat and with his batting batting eye, he does have a, a the ability to uh, to get some to unlock some more power. So that is where I'm going over under twelve home runs for uh, Stephen Kwan, the former Oregon State batter. Sure. I uh, first I want to come to your uh, defense here. Um, well, first of all, they're beavers, right? Beavers. Yes, you're right. Gotcha. Um, sorry, <laughs> sorry, the wrong OSU. You, um, I got your mascot wrong. I want to come to your rescue a little bit. You, you said you wanted to back off the 15 ceiling. It's a ceiling, you know. It's not it what you thought was going to happen. It's the absolute highest. If everything <laughs> goes perfect, that's what you see. I just can't. I just can't sit here and tell you. Yeah, he's going to hit eleven more home runs than he did last year. No, I don't think that's what. I don't think that's what you were saying. I think we all know that like a wide range of outcomes are possible, and like the absolute highest outcome that's imaginable, you said was fifteen, and I think that's pretty fair. Um, Yeah, because for the reasons you laid out. Yeah, I mean, thank you for coming from the defensive past me. Yes, I appreciate that. Stephen Kwan, elite. Contact, of course, everyone knows, but also just incredible eye, incredibly disciplined. He goes up to the plate every time with a plan, and you can see him executing it in real time. It's really special. I love Stephen Kwan. So I think, like, you ask any national media member, 12 over under, like 99 out of 100 of them probably take the under. I'm going to take the over because I believe in Stephen Kwan. Stephen Kwan is the hero that we both need and deserve better than Batman. Um, so Stephen Guan, uh, yes, going to pounce on some fastballs. I could see a lot more like first pitch fastball hunting from him this year. Now that he's feeling more comfortable, that's a good way to get, you know, get a few homers. Um, yeah. Put on a few pounds of muscle. I can, he definitely seems like the kind who, who will put in that work. So uh, maybe I'm just infatuated with Stephen Kwan, the player. You're um, not wrong to be. <laughs> You're not wrong to be. But yeah, I'm going to do the crazy over here. Okay. Ethan. I'm not going to lie. I tuned most of that out because the second Stephen Kwan was mentioned, I've just been screaming in my own head internally, extend him, extend him, extend him, extend him, extend him. Uh, no, I, I did listen to you. And, and not to uh, quash your aspirations and your very rousing speech about Stephen Kwan being the hero that we deserve. I'm still going to take the under on this one, and I'm going to argue with your very own point, which is he goes up there with a plan of attack every time he's at the plate. And he's never the kind of guy that's going to go up there looking for the long ball, right? He's going to do what's best for the team and for his skill set. That's for him to get on base. So it wouldn't shock me just because he's shown the ability. He hit 12 in the minors the year before he was called up. In 341 plate appearances. And yes. only 341 plate appearances. Got to say that. Sorry. Yes, but quality of pitching was different then. And he, he does possess the elite hand-eye, the elite contact. All of that is there. But I think, you know, would it shock me if he hit 10? Absolutely not. He, he's got the right skill set to run into those few extra home runs this year, right? I just don't see myself throw, fully throwing in on, you know, he gets to 13 or more. Maybe not this year. I, I really think like 
we we could have a 15 a year candidate in Quan in a couple, you know, another season or two. I just don't think it's this year. Okay. Does does, uh, does Ethan hate Quan? That's, That's what, what I'm, I'm getting. That I'm getting that sense and that vibe. That's I want the Guardians to extend him so I can hate on him for years to come. <laughs> yeah. Wow. There's some deep-seated stuff here. There's some yeah. deep-seated <laughs> things that need to be worked out. He yeah. beat me in a match of online chess 10 years ago, and I haven't forgiven him. Right. Yeah. Back when you were 11? <laughs> How old do you think I am? <laughs> Wait. Everyone here is older than Stephen Kwan. Like, yes. Pretty yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm almost 30, Gerbs. I'm almost on Brandon Crawford's wrong side of the Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely on the wrong side of Brandon Crawford here. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I digress. All right. So my last one uh, kind of pulls from a little bit of all of these. Uh, I also talked last week on my bold predictions of how many uh, hitters we would have that would hit 20 or more home runs. But uh, for this over-under, I wanted to go with actually 2020 seasons. How many Guardians hitters are going to have a 2020 season in 2003? I went with two and a half. Mm. I was going to say three, no, two and a half, so you can have three. Okay. So where are you? Uh, where are you at? I think uh, you know we've talked about Jose being a lot. Uh, you know, most. Uh, we all pretty much said a lock for 2020 because uh, only Mitch took the under on stolen bases. But even then that's probably over, you know, it was 30, 30. Um, so Jose's one. Is there, are there two more people on this roster that are capable of, of being 2020 hitters? Two and a half is a really good number here. Cause yeah, I'm really good at this. Jose's the lock, right? Barring the injury, Andres should have had it last year. You had Bo Naylor put up a 2020 season in the minors. Uh, Miles Straw's ripping the cover off the ball. I wouldn't be shocked to see him get 30-30-30 after his spring training performance. You're welcome. I, I know, I know. It hit a ball 430 feet yesterday. My goodness. Wait, who did you just say? Miles Straw. Oh. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> there's this uh, there is this long-standing joke in the discord drink that uh anytime miles straw gets brought up and power wise uh i just have been saying you're welcome because i just i feel like he's just he's listening to the corner cast and just like has a voodoo doll of me like a or a picture up on the wall like that gerbs guy he told he said I was washed and Will Brennan's gonna come and take my job. So he's just been peppering the uh, outfield walls with doubles. So no, uh <laughs> I I love the joke about Straw, but realistically thinking about it, who are the rest of the the 20 home run candidates on this club? Josh Bell's not stealing 20 bases. Josh Naylor would love to try to steal 20 bases just because that's the kind of guy he is, but I can't even see them sending him 20 times this year. Are you expecting significant growth out of Andres Jimenez to get that number fully across? Because Oscar Gonzalez is not a speed guy. He's got the potential to hit 30 home runs, but I, I don't think he steals more than six or seven bases over the course of a full season if he's healthy. I'm going to 
I'm going to take the under, and I'm going to say it's just Jose and Andres. I don't see it going beyond that. I, I think there will be a lot of guys who are close because, like I said, there's going to be a lot of stolen bases on the board this year. I fully expect that. But that's among a lot of guys who also don't have the power to hit 20 home runs. Yeah, no, this is um, this is definitely an under for me. If you had it at one and a half, I would have struggled a little more. But yeah, Jose Ramirez is definitely one that's definitely going to happen, um, barring some sort of crazy catastrophe or change in play style or massive weight gain. 290 pound Jose Ramirez like shows up after the all a literal break. bowling ball. Yeah, no, barring something dramatic, um, he's probably going to get that. But yeah, after that, there's not no one really close to a lock. Like we can dream on like Ahmed Rosario. What if he just shows out with the power? Um, You know, it's his walk season, so he's going to try and swing for the fences more and he hits all the homers or, you know, Andres Jimenez doesn't really have to hit many homers, any more homers to to get there. He had 17 last year and was playing injured by the end of the season. Um, You know, I can squint and see like the optimism. You know, Will Brennan had like 20 homers in the, in, or sorry, 20 stolen bases and maybe what, 15 homers in the minors last year, 13 homers in the minor leagues last year, and then one in the majors. So 14 total professional homers. I mean, like if guys break out, sure, but I'm going to have to take the under. Yep. It's going to be Jose. I'm probably, probably just Jose, honestly, for me. <sighs> yeah. I, I want to take my own over. Obviously, um, Ahmed is really the dark horse here. If Ahmed gets a a power bug up his butt and uh, decides to start swinging for the fences, he easily could do it. Um, not easily, but he could be the, be the the third guy that pushes this over. He certainly um, has the physical talent to do it. Yes, he has the capability to, of doing it. It's just whether or not he actually does. Um. I yeah I I can't I can't get there myself. It is a really good over under. Um, that's me. The sound you hear is me patting myself on the back. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm also going to take the under. I wish it was over. Uh, I'm going to be very very excited if it is over. But uh, I, I just can't get there with the with the way the roster is made up. You know, Oscar Gonzalez only had 11 home runs last year in 382 plate appearances. Naylor had the 20 home runs and six stolen bases. If it, it, Did he have a, a summer a winter off on his ankle and he's going to run wild? It's, it's entirely possible, but probably not. Highly improbable? Highly improbable. Uh, does Stephen Kwan just completely, you know... Just like put on 25 pounds of muscle. <laughs> because they just hit the weight room and just bench everything possible. It's it's entirely possible, I guess. And Will Brennan had two stolen bases and a home run and 45 plate appearances last year. Yeah. You know, it's a that's there are options, but you know, none of these guys are well rounded enough to to do it. So yeah, it's an under for me as well. Yeah, highly improbable. It's the first chapter of every great sports story. Right. All right. Ethan, give us your last one. So I actually have two written down here. And I've been been waffling the entire episode which one I wanted to go with. 
And as I've listened to the numbers go over the course of the show, and I've thought about where I've set my own, I think I'm going to go with my alternative pick here. So we're going to go with a last minute pivot. Over or under two and a half Guardians players to receive an MVP vote by the end of the season? Oh, this is a good question. Two and a half to receive an MVP vote this season? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, that is tough. So you, obviously you got Jose Ramirez, um, and then Andres Jimenez did last year. Um, but that's it in terms of – and I, I'm guessing Bieber did in 2020, but like to count on Bieber being 2020 Bieber is kind of a – Fool's errand, I think. So, I mean, like, could guys make a star turn? I mean, it'd be sweet. Stephen Kwan puts on 45 pounds of steroid-induced muscle. Just kidding. He's not doing steroids. Um, yeah, but Stephen Kwan puts on 45 pounds of, uh, you know, pure red meat power and and uh, gets some MVP votes or, uh, you know, Miles Straw makes – 17 home run robberies and steals 100 bases. Okay, yes. None of these things are happening. No, it's under. It's under. Um, I mean, the only realistic, like, breakout who I could see getting, like, a pity MVP vote, and this is maybe hot takey, is if Oscar Gonzalez takes a leap forward, like, his upside is extremely high. Like, he's got massive raw power. He's got great contact ability. He lays off, like, a few more pitches. Like, I could see... I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I like think that he has a like thing that could be unlocked that if it is unlocked, like has a really high ceiling. Um, I mean, he'd have to change a behavior that is very difficult to change, which is like being really, really disciplined at the plate or more disciplined at the plate than he is, which is really, really undisciplined. Uh, I think that's really hard to do. But if he were to get better at it, he could like have that potential offensively. But it's not going to happen. So under. I can see that. I can see that happening. I am actually, you said two and a half, right? Yes, two and a half is the number. I'm going to go over. I'm going to say three because yeah. I, there are, I did a quick look and see of who got votes last year. Obviously, Jose got votes. Obviously, Andres got votes. Uh, Bieber did not get any votes this, last year, but I, I think there is a world where he or even Emmanuel Classe, yeah, Classe could possibly get you know sneak in on someone's ballot, even if it is at the very end of it, you know, third place or whatever on on the MVP. Um, yeah, I can see a world where, I mean, Bieber had eleven strikeouts in his last spring training start. He could be ready to go this year, and especially with the McKenzie injury. The, I can see a world where Bieber is putting it more on his back and trying to carry some of the load, being that stopper, being the ace of the staff and things. Or like I said, Class A, if he goes out and saves 50 games, you know, does he get into the MVP race and at that point or, or garner some of those? Those are things that could possibly happen. So I'm okay with going over in this one. MVP Just depends if Quincy has a vote or not. Am I right? Right. Chris Asenheimer still does, so, you know, it's fine. So you, you touched on one of the guys that I was hoping you guys would touch on, which is Class A. Edwin Diaz is out for the year. 
but Classe is every bit as dominant as Edwin is, just more efficient. Diaz is all Diaz is also in the NL. Yes. So it wouldn't be, you know. No, but I'm saying closers received. Closers have received MVP votes. You're saying he'll look better because he's the best one without Diaz? Yes. I do think so. I think in the collection of oddballs that is the BBWAA, there is somebody that would be enamored enough with a 310 gold glove follow-up season from Stephen Kwan that would throw him a third-place vote. But the name that neither of you guys touched is Josh Bell, who's coming in on what is practically a prove-it deal, who could hit 35 home runs, drive in 100 as the perfect insulation behind Jose Ramirez, and could potentially throw some votes on the back end there. So I do think there's the potential for them to break two and a half. I really don't think Bieber's going to get them. The AL is just so stacked with top-tier starting pitching. But I do think that Classe, Quan, and Bell could be oddball vote-getters at the end of the year. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't, I don't I don't see Bell in that there are there are so many hitters that are like him. Yeah. Carlos Correa could put up a better offensive season and play shortstop. Right. Like, the first base first base is a you have to play really good defense at first base to start guarding MVP votes. Or just like or, be Freddie Freeman. Or be Freddie Freeman. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say or be Paul Goldschmidt. Or Joey be Bono. Freddie Freeman. Yeah. Just remember. Yeah. Offense counts in gold gloves, and Miles Straw still got a gold glove. It can go both ways. No, I, I just think – I'm not saying it's a lock, but I, I see a world. Because Josh Bell also – Josh Bell also never has been in a lineup quite like this. You know, he, he had he had some time with Juan Soto, but the Nationals were in their teardown. He spent the second half with what was a much improved San Diego roster, but something in the coaching did not jive with him out there. He's in a situation that should benefit him in almost every way, shape, and form. So I, I see it as a possibility. I was going to say you brought up you brought up him being with Soto in Washington. I'm like he did better in Washington than he did in San Diego. He did with a better lineup. He did, but, but he he was not himself protected as much in Washington as he is here in Cleveland. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So, right. quick tangent. I'm holding a Major League Baseball right here. Have you I are. shown this guy to you? Have I shown this guy to you guys yet? You, you have not. I saw you have it when you were uh, talking at one point. And I like looked up from the from notes or whatever, and I was like, "Oh, he has baseball." This is from uh, the Oscar Gonzalez 15 inning walk off home run game. Nice. Ahmed Rosario hit this foul ball on the 14th inning. Nice. Pretty cool. Anyway. Uh, just thought I'd share that fun little story. Did not catch it on the fly. Caught, picked it up in the aisle, sadly. But uh, anyway, I have my final over under, and I have a quick jokey one first uh, that I think is kind of fun. It's Andres Jimenez, and it is over under twenty hit by pitches. Over, over, over. Wow, I think that's kind of hot takey. Um, he turned into a magnet late last year. What did he get? Yeah. He, he had he had a crap ton last year. He had 25 last year, but that was the most he's ever had by far, obviously, because that was his first real full season. But like he, he's yeah. Brandon Geyer now, I'm calling it. I mean it'd be sweet if he continued to just like get on base 25 times a season that way. 
it, yeah. it helps all of my other points. Him getting MVP votes, contributing to the stolen bases, him getting a 2020 season. Yeah, get hit by pitches, Andre. Just don't just don't break like a hand or a finger or something. Like keep yeah. taking him off the shoulder, keep taking him off yeah. the back. Yeah, hitting 25 times right in the tuchus. Yeah, take it in the thigh. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll take the over too, just for fun. Um, I just thought it was kind of fun. This is a fun little tidbit about Andres Jimenez that he just loves to get hit by pitches. He always has. He got hit a ton as a Met. Um, so yeah, Andres Jimenez, ball magnet. My actual one is Zach Plesac. Over or under 20 starts for Zach Plesac in 2023. Oh, oh, oh. Can I go? Because I already know my answer. Sure. It's under. And it's it's not because I think like this is me being hopeful because I really think the club can improve at the back end of the rotation. My hope that the under and please exceeds the door by then is really hampered right now by McKenzie's injury because he's effectively your fourth while you have piggybacks and stop gaps for the first two months of the season potentially. But I really, really think there is a replacement in the organization currently that can be and will be better than Zach Please Zach by the time his 21st start potentially rolls around. Do, do you think he's just going to be bad? Like, cause he's not, if he's fine, which he was last year, that's where he was. He was fine. They're not just going to like take him out. They might trade him, but like, I don't know where he goes. I think it's, it's more likely to me that he does something boneheaded and stupid and hurts himself at this rate based on his history than it is that Not, he's so bad the team can't trot him out there every fifth day. Because you're right, he was fine. A, a number five starter, you can survive with a 4.50 ERA. That's why I picked this but, number, because no one wants him to start 20 times in the season, but, you know, unless he does, like, bang his hand into the mound again, like, I don't see a... You can't, you can't rule it out, unfortunately, yeah, is yeah, the yeah. thing. I, it's I, been I, two years in, in a row that he's had some weird I hand I said thing. it last year, and mind you, he broke his hand in a game that he won. Yep. So there's not any good faith from me towards Zach Plezak based on his on- and off-field behavior, based on the fact that he is just a mediocre fifth starter, and this club is packed with and excels at developing starting pitching. Yeah. So will he make 20 starts? Probably, but I'm taking the under because I hope he doesn't. Yeah, I think that's your fan talking. It is. It absolutely is. And I and I admit it, but I have been very avidly against Plezak for a year and a half now. Man, it is a really good number of 20. Because feasibly that's like two-thirds of the year. I'm going to go over begrudgingly. Uh, I do think that, uh, to Ethan's point, uh, this is, uh, all of, we say all these things, this is not anything against Zach Plesak. We hope that he's good and pitches well and actually performs and earns his 20 starts. If he doesn't, we hope that he does it quickly and gets out and gets done. We don't have to worry about it. Uh, but yeah, I can see, like you said, if he's fine, he's just going to keep starting. There's not they're not gonna move him out of the role if he's um, unless he's hot garbage. And if he's hot garbage, then he's out of the organization. You know, I don't see him I don't see them trying to, you know, reclaim him or anything like that at this point in time. Right. And, um, if, they, and if they trade him, like that's probably about what he gets if he plays a full season is twenty starts. Right. 
So even if they do trade him, you're probably still looking at an over if he plays a full season. Right. Yeah, I'd say over. Like I said, begrudgingly, I'll put a I'll put a, a B by my O here. Begrudgingly. Yeah. I mean, you can put a B next to my over too, um, because that's how I feel exactly. Like, yeah, I've I've long said Zach Plesac belongs in the bullpen. Um, like, if he wants to be like an actual good pitcher instead of just like this fine low ceiling fifth starter. Um, but that's what he wants to do. I don't blame him. Starters get paid more than middle relievers usually. Yep, he's gonna get he's gonna get the over, and it's gonna be frustrating because we're gonna see Gavin Williams like crushing or Tanner Bybee crushing, and yep, he'll be fine. He'll be he'll, <laughs> he'll away. Go, he'll go five and th- five with three inning or three uh, earned runs and strike yep. out two and walk three, you know right. that kind of thing. Yep, and he'll yep. Win, but they'll win four three. So. Yep. Don't don't sleep on Joey Cantillo. That's all I'm going to contribute to that. Sure. I won't sleep on him. <laughs> all right. Well, that was. This has been a lot of fun. I uh, did. You guys enjoy this? I feel like I did. Yeah. No. There was a moment in the beginning of this podcast where, Gerbs, you uh, you had to leave, and uh, like I can talk about baseball. Like I can just do it. But once you <laughs> left, I'm just like panicked. I started coming out the latissimus dorsi. This is a great I, callback for the listeners. Remember I, that? I, I feel very badly. My wife was trying to be quiet, and in the bathroom, a shelf fell in our medicine cabinet behind the above the sink. And I'm, I, if you hear the crash on the podcast, I apologize, but that was 100%. I like, I muted, typed in the chat, I'm like, hey, I'll be right back, and like got up and left. And I came back, and Mitch was still talking. I'm like, oh, good. I haven't missed anything except all <laughs> oh, this medical missed- talk. All this medical talk that I have no idea how to pronounce. I was basically like, Ethan, this is uninteresting, right? And Ethan was like, no, this is fascinating. Keep talking about muscles. And I was like, I don't have that much more to say. I don't have any more. No, uh, 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 Tristan McKenzie, uh, no. uh, two, in a, two weeks. I said something about two weeks being bad, but that would be good. I was flustered. Let me tell you. Gerbs, your presence is calling me is what I'm saying. Uh, so obviously, I need to obviously need to be here. No, I think I think I could manage. I think I could manage if you need to take a week off. Like I think I'd be fine, but I didn't have any time to adjust. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. There's there's a big difference between being the spot starter and then getting called to be the you right. know the 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 fireman in, in Ernie, the second inning. Ernie Shore? Are you guys familiar right. with Ernie Shore? What movie? Ernie Shore. He's a baseball player from the no. 1920s. He. No. Um, Babe Ruth uh, got the first batter. No, he he might have walked the first batter or something, and then he got it tossed. I think he punched the umpire or something like that. Ernie Shore relieved him and proceeded to pitch a perfect game. Got 27 consecutive outs, but it does not count as a perfect game because Babe Ruth allowed that first base runner. So, yes, I tried to pull in Ernie Shore. It was more like a, um, I don't know, Hunter Gaddis of 2022. <laughs> Thank you for throwing in that disclaimer. We don't need that, considering he is going to be Hunter Gaddis of 2023 come Friday. You're right. You're right. I was not Hunter Gaddis of 2023, though. I was full on just like giving up bombs. All right. Well, since we've been talking so long, just one more moment. While it happened while we were on the podcast, uh, Trevor Stefan did sign his extension. Woo! Uh, 
Ethan, you had it in spot track real quick. Did you find that? Where are the numbers? I can I can't see the, any of the numbers. The numbers aren't up yet. Spot track only has the years listed, so it's a four year extension with two club options beyond that. So that's yeah. effectively a six year extension. The club will have Stefan through his age thirty two season should they want him that long. But we're still waiting on the numbers to come in. It's a long time. Stefan is Stefan is fine. Stefan is a, is. I think somebody said he could have closed on a couple of teams last year, and it's possible. I. I love having him be the second or third arm out of the pen, you know, uh, the one right before Colossae. But, uh, yeah, it's a good extension no matter what it is because it's probably not going to be that much. I can't really imagine it's much more than – I mean, Colossae signed for a a, four, a five-year, $20 million extension. Yeah. I can't see any way that Stefan got more money than Classe, and that and that, that price point, that's great. So, I so. I could see this being like, you know, four twelve, right? Three million a year, right? Ba- based on his performance last year, if you continue to expect that of Stefan, I think he's worth that. It's not offensive money for a reliever, right? Like I think all three of us wanted Andrew Chaffin, and he signed for like seven and a half or eight million with the Diamondbacks. So if you get a guy who you wanted to fill that role that was already in house for significantly less, and if he continues to perform, then this is the least offensive deal in baseball history in my opinion. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's scary because like he's a reliever and you know, his stuff is really good last year. He would obviously be worth money. He would be worth a lot of money last year. Um, but reliever stuff, you know, knows it's known to come and go relievers performance known to come and go. And he doesn't have that like 99.9th percentile pitch that class A does. I mean, he's very good. He's very nasty. Uh, but like he is someone who it could be, you know, in a few years, this could look bad. It could look awesome too. And it's great to have him locked up. Uh, so just to be clear, his option years, both of the option years were free agent years. So now, so effectively they have up to two of his free agent years now. Pretty Fine. exciting. Yeah. I'm good with it. Absolutely. Sign Quan. Yes. Do it now. Quan, what, what would I uh, No, I can't do any, a Quan fun for an extension. Quan extension. Quan. It doesn't work. Oh, sign him to a new contract. Uh, Sorry. No good. We're done with the Oh, quant- no, I love it. Contract <laughs> extension was right quant- there. I just said extension. it. Sign, sign, extension. Sign to a new contract. Oh, yeah. Love it. Love it. All of it. All right, guys. Well, for Dr. Mitchell, for Farmer Ethan, for myself, we bid you a happy opening day may you listen to this in the morning and uh, have your day filled with joy as we wait all day for the opening day to happen and uh i guess maybe we'll get a couple innings in before we all pass out maybe we'll get four innings in because of the pitch clock who knows but uh for these guys for myself for us wfmy we say be safe be loved good night Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. 
You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chapotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good poor. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.